Today's message comes from the book of Jonah, chapter 1. So now the word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, son of Amity, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came up, the sea and the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone out down into the hold of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. The captain came and said to Jonah, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought, so we do not perish. The sailors said to one another, Come, let us toss dice so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I am a Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord, God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to Jonah, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them so. Then they said to Jonah, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. Jonah said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land but they could not do it. For the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts may be an honor and a glory to you. Amen. So Jonah's name means dove or son of truth. But I think dove's the first meaning when we first get introduced into Jonah, because he flees. Now, there's the typical reading on Jonah, that Jonah is upset that Nineveh is going to be ultimately saved at the end of the book. Because at the end, Jonah tells God, rather angrily, I knew you would forgive them. And anyone who's a student of biblical history 
knows that Nineveh, that's the first real spot in the world where a mighty empire of bad guys lives. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrians, and the Assyrians, followed by the Babylonians, followed by the Persians, would be the great mighty empire of all the Eastern world for a very long time. But the Assyrians, as the ones who established empire, were the really, really evil ones. We know from their pictures that if you got on the wrong side of the Assyrians, they would destroy your country, they would export your people, they would purposefully destroy your country, and just if you didn't get the picture, they would put people up on sticks rather like Dracula. They were impalers. So yes, Jonah, in the first possible reading, might have been rather upset that that was exactly the kind of people God was sending him to go save. Couldn't he go save one of those nice neighborhoods? One of those places where they didn't do bad things? Why am I getting the short side of this stick, oh Lord? But we're not ever given a reason as to why Jonah fled. And if we take this meaning of his name to be that he's a dove, it might just be that Jonah's scared to go to a city like Nineveh, full of bullies and big tough men, and tell them, hey, guess what? God doesn't like you guys. How do you think a nation that he just considered a bunch of murderers was going to react to being told something like that? But I, in my reading here, with a view to the New Testament, take yet a third view. Jesus, when he is standing out looking on Jerusalem, repeats a common refrain from the prophets that we see over and over again. When he laments to, to Jerusalem, Oh, Jerusalem, if the miracles that had happened in you had happened in any of the evil cities of the world, they would have repented, turned around, and come back to God. Judah as a I'm sorry, Jonah, as a prophet of Israel, in going to Assyria, in getting Assyria to repent, will be doing an act of condemnation upon his own nation. He will be the prophet who will have to go and prove that even this evil city, if just told to repent, Jonah does no miracles there. He just tells them to repent, and the wicked people cover themselves with sackcloth and ashes. Well, what does that say when he comes back to Israel, who supposedly knows the Lord, who had gone through the Red Sea as a primitive people, who time and again had his temple, had mighty prophets, been told repent, and wouldn't? What message, what motivation could cause Jonah to run? He could have run because he didn't want the bad people to get saved. I hate to say it, but that is something we can apply very much to our lives. There are all sorts of categories that we in and out. There's good people and there's bad people. Jonah may have decided to run from what God willed in his life because he was just simply scared. Nineveh was full of bullies and they were not notorious for being nice. Or Jonah could have run from God in some half-baked attempt to try to preserve what God had already done. Because God had already built Israel as a people. They already had their sacred traditions. 
but they weren't willing to repent, to move forward with God, to get anywhere past that baseline. And Jonah knew if God started move, working through other nations and other places, that that just might bring some condemnation down on his own home. When we start living with an almighty God, we have a reaction. And most of us can testify in our own lives that that reaction, when God places a call upon us, however we get there, is to flee. And that's exactly what we see Jonah do. Jonah has a call placed upon his life, and he goes down, and he books a ship. You don't need to know a map. If you had one, Israel's over here, Nineveh's way over there, and Tarshish is about as far as you could get that way. Jonah was going in the exact opposite direction of the confrontation with himself, with his beliefs, with whatever was driving him not to do it. He was going the opposite way. But as many of us can testify, when you start going the opposite way of where God is leading you, the storms start to come up. When we're living outside of God's will, it seems sometimes the voyage is grand. But say God, when he makes a plan for us, he intends to get it done. So he starts to send the storms, correct course. Wind blows a little harder, correct course. Even a little more correct course. And see, we do have an example of Jesus who falls asleep in a storm because he controls the winds and the waves. But Jonah's sleep here is much more prophetic. He has gone completely out of God's will in his life. The storms are mounting up. And what is Jonah's solution to it all? To fall asleep. We have a him inherited from the Germans, O oh, sleepers awake. It is in this dangerous time when we are out of the will of God, when storms are getting worse, that we spiritually face the temptation of falling asleep. Not only has Jonah ignored whatever that initial confrontation was, in this moment of dumbness or in our walks of life as we go through these storms, that initial confrontation starts to cut down all the other spiritual aspects of our life. The storm starts out little. It starts getting big. It's just a tiny nick. If you put some antibiotics on it when it's small, it'll get fixed. Next thing you know, you are in the hospital. And that's the situation Jonah finds himself. Now, the one characters I absolutely love in this part of the story are the sailors. They are just ignorant pagans going around their day jobs, and they have no clue why any of this is happening to them. They, they're scrambling around, they're tossing all their wares off the ship, they're doing everything sailors know how to do to keep the thing afloat, and they eventually get it through their heads. This thing is done. This isn't a normal storm. There's something else going on. And my friends, we are not as Christians, pagans. But don't you sometimes see your friends out there and you know what the storm's going through and you know exactly what's going on in their life. And it feels like you just cast dice and Jonah, it's you. So the man, they cast dice and Jonah showed out to be who it is. They ask him, why did you get here? What have you done? And he tells them, the Lord put a call on my life and I didn't do it. Now, I'm amazed that these sailors, they, 
They still bother to pick up the pieces and try to fight for Jonah. They still go and put their backs to the oars for a while. They don't want to toss them exactly off the ship. But these sailors represent, to my mind, for us Christians, those nations, those people to whom we could witness. Those folks whom we could bring into the church to do all those good works we have been called out to do. They are sitting here on this deck of the ship looking at Jonah and saying, Jonah, what is this that you have done? Jonah, why have you fled the call that, Paul, that the Lord has put upon your heart? Jonah, why didn't you get into that fight that was scary for you and endanger all of us? You see, that's what happens when Christians ignore their spiritual impulses, the revelations that God has given us upon our hearts. We're the holy ones, my friends. We're the spiritual ones. We're the ones who pray. If we turn around and walk the other way, who will warn their brothers? Who will warn our sisters? We are not called by Christ to just get fire insurance. We're called by Christ to service and to be his representatives and as his church to be his body as we have spoken here many times before. And when the church will not do the duty to which God has charged her, to which we as individuals will not face those confrontations to which he has put us, the ship sure seems like it's going to go down. And though the pagans, maybe they represent a neighborhood that wishes its church would do a little more for them. They fight for it. They go to help. But till Jonah gets it through his head, they can't do any good. So the men finally offer up a prayer. They say, Lord, this isn't our fault. Blame it on him. And they throw Jonah overboard. But as in all things in the Bible, it's actually quite optimistic. Because verse 17, but the Lord provided a large fish. Oh, so a large fish shows up. It's going to come and give Jonah a moral lesson. And now that the storm's done, he can crawl back on the boat and go home, right? Nope. The Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So out of the stormy boat, into the guts of a tuna. <laughs>